I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, everybody. America is at war. Whether we're willing to admit it or not, if our government's willing to admit it or not, I think most of us kind of understand what's going on right now. This uprising, this attack on Israel is an attack on the West. It is the jihad war that has been building and coming. We see from the horrific atrocities committed by Hamas. We now see Israel under attack from multiple locations. And we see American bases receiving incoming missile and rocket fire from ISIS and other groups. This is a moment in time that I have talked about a little bit. But I think the coming conflagration cannot be stopped. We need to respond very strongly. Now, this can easily get very, very emotional. You know, we can all fly off the handle and scream and holler, bomb this one, bomb that one, do this and that. This is very, very delicate situation. There's no doubt about it. In my uh, late teens, early 20s, we had the situation where Iran became a Islamic-centered uh, government. Ayatollah Khomeini took over, and one of the first things that they did was take Americans hostage. Now, we were not prepared for this. It was 444 days. For those of you who weren't around at the time, there was a news count, and every day, 362 days, Americans have been in, in captivity. 278 days, 290 days, 400 days. It was on and on and on. It was nonstop. The Carter administration, which was very, very similar in ideology to the Biden administration and, and many other left-wing uh, administrations we've had over the years, was caught completely off guard. They had no idea how to respond. They didn't have it built into their into their processes and thoughts about a strong, powerful America. Jimmy Carter learned a lot of very hard lessons. You know, the whole, and, and I'm, I'm trying to cover this in a way that is understanding and reasonable. There is a difference in ideology. There is a difference in how we see the world. There is clear understanding, and then there is wishful thinking. And we know that our friends on the left, for the most part, really just want good things. That's what they always talk about. Good things, fairness, justice, this and that. But what they don't take into account is human nature and how things really work out on the ground. And that's what usually leads their policies uh, and the way they do things uh, to ruin. You know, the idea that everyone has everything they need exactly equal is, is not how humanity works. It's just not true. Some people are more talented than others. Some people are luckier than others. Some people have uh, just have the ability to, to advance. Some people are more intelligent. 
than other people. And that leads to different outcomes. See, America is a land where you have opportunity, not outcome. You have opportunity to rise as high and as far uh, as your individual talents can take you. That is how the world works. Now, is it unfair that some people grow up with a family that has millions of dollars and they have a great life and they never have to worry about the things that the rest of us have to worry about? They worry about, you know, making sure their boat is ready for the summer and where they're going to vacation for a month and this and that. Sure, that's a great life and that's not, that, that's not the life for all of us. Most of us have to eke out every single day to survive. Now, is that fair? I don't know. What, what is fair? It, it's, it's the life that you have. If you want to be better, you have to use your God-given talents to make a better life. I've recounted here a thousand times how I came from basically nothing. My father strove really, really hard to build a business as a young man and changed our lives from, from average people who really had very, very little. And as my father's business got, got bigger and stronger and more economically powerful, our lives transformed here. Then suddenly, instead of having an old rotten car uh, that barely could get around, we had two, two Cadillacs. My father had an old work truck when he started. He was an electrician. He had an old work truck when he started his own company. He left the union, which was good pay. It was good average pay. You know, you could survive a family on it, but it was nothing great. You weren't going to get rich. And he started his own business. And he had a rattletrap old truck to start. And then he got some contracts and more contracts. And next thing you know, he had brand new trucks. He had several trucks. He had people working for him. And the business took off. He worked his butt off day and night. And so did my mother to help. Plus, she was raising me and my brother. And we saw a transformation in our lives, financially, based on the hard work of my father. Then, unfortunately, as I've told many of you, as a young man, 37 years old, he had a, a massive heart attack on a hunting trip with me. I was 14. And he died on top of the mountain. It was tragic. It was painful. It has taken me an entire adult life to put into perspective to understand uh, how he must have felt as I became a father um, and started raising my kids and how, how I dealt with things. For me to really put into, into perspective my father's hard work and achievement and then I passed that on to my family, to my kids. My point being is that after my father died and the business was gone, my mother, my brother, and I were back down to basically nothing. We had a year or two's worth of life insurance, and then it was a struggle, and we struggled. And I built my life based on the gifts I've been given by God to develop myself into something more, more something more sustainable, something that could uh, drive revenue. I could use my skill sets to, to write and to speak and to teach. And that's what I've done. And I've risen to where I am. Nobody gave me anything. You know, there's no privilege here. We all work and earn. Now, I gave my kids the benefit of my hard work. And they've all done wonderfully. They're all professionals. They're all out in the world taking care of their families. Sure, they were given a little head start because I had worked so hard. Right? That's okay. Now, I know a lot of other people who didn't have those opportunities because either one, they didn't have the desire to use their God-given gifts. 
to advance. Or number two, they didn't have the skills required to advance. And they didn't do anything to make themselves better. So this is, this is a long way around the horn for me to get back to our original conversation is that America is at war. And, and the reason I'm, I'm talking about it is because we have to understand where we, where we come from so that we can understand where we're going. And as a kid, as a young man, to see the, um, the Iranian government take American hostages was unsettling for all of us. Jimmy Carter was not ready. Our friends in the progressive movement are not ready for this kind of thing. And that was really my connection to, to my point being is that they see things happy-go-lucky and they want everyone to be the same. They don't understand it. That's not how human nature works. Everything is not equal for every single person, and there's just evil people keeping everyone from getting theirs. Everyone has to work hard, and sometimes you strive, and sometimes you're lucky, and sometimes you get a break, and other times you don't. And then you be a good person, and you do the best you can with your life. Well, that kind of thinking, that kind of belief, that understanding or not understanding of how the world works is what leads our friends on the left, progressives and liberals and socialists, to really go wrong when it comes to things of human nature. So here we have, uh, and again, I'm taking us back to 78, 79, when the hostages were taken. That set us all off, set the government off. Uh, We saw the economy, for those who weren't there, Jimmy Carter's policies drove the economy into absolute ruin. Uh, Interest rates were 22%. My first mortgage... I got my first mortgage, I think, in 1981. Was it 1981? Uh, Ronald Reagan had been elected in a landslide because people couldn't abide by uh, uh, by Jimmy Carter and his policies anymore. So he was a one-termer. But Reagan came in and had to had redefined the entire economy. So there was lagging effects from one thing to another. And the interest rates were, uh, I, got, I got a bargain mortgage, 10, 11, 12. Uh, it was a three-year adjustable rate mortgage, uh, 10% the first year, 11% the second, and 12% the third year. And then it could go anywhere. Uh, and that was considered a bargain at the time. There were CDs, uh, certificates of deposit. At the time, you could get 22% interest on your money. Right? Could you imagine that today? Today, you get 1%, 1.5%. My point further being here. And again, I'm trying not to be emotional as we talk about this because this is, we are at war and our lives can all change. Uh, the history of, of the world can change. We are at the precipice moment now and it's either going to settle down or it's going to take off and how it goes is going to be dependent on a couple of things. Strength. Strength when dealing with your enemies. Strength when dealing with evil is the only thing that's going to work. Strength of of character, strength of heart, strength of faith for all of us. There are going to be some difficult times going forward very, very soon as we see what's happening here, as this war begins to escalate. There's going to be tragedy. There's going to be horror. And then there's going to be atrocities. Now, the difference, a tragedy is when a righteous, uh, a righteous, military move ends up costing the lives of uh, bystanders, people who were not targeted but unfortunately were in the zone. That's a tragedy. An atrocity is when you target those innocent civilians for pain 
and destruction. Hamas committed atrocities by targeting the Israeli civilians. Right? That wasn't aiming at a military base in Israel and the rocket went off course or the soldiers thought they were hitting a military base to fight soldiers and it turned out to be civilians. They targeted civilians. That's an atrocity. And that's absolutely horrible. The reality here is that this is the this is this is the state of humanity. And this has been building. And I know I'm dancing all around here. I know I am. And I'm trying to put all these thoughts together. I have my notes here. But one thing leads to another. And we have to really control our emotion and think through this. Um, So we're, we're on that road. But my point being, again, I'm going back to my point. And I apologize for dancing around here. You see, you should see me. I got my notes and I'm going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. The fact that we were not prepared and ready for the Iranian takeover, we didn't understand that kind of a culture. Most of us, by the the late 1970s, had been uh, born after the war, uh, World War II, or had lived through the atrocities of the Nazis and World War II, and had had several years of recovery and healing and moving on from that, and the world wasn't like that. Now, of course, we did have Vietnam, we did have Korea, we did have conflicts, but they were certainly not world conflicts uh, that, that threatened American shores as World War II did. And as we moved through that, we were not prepared for this kind of bloodthirsty attack. The Nazis went in and murdered civilians. They tried to exterminate the Jewish people You know, we think about that. You know, you learn in school, at least they used to teach about that. Now, uh, schools, uh, sometimes they have a tendency to be um, not so much in favor of actual uh, history, but in in history rewritten to to meet uh, modern needs, modern politically correct needs or modern narratives that people want to cover. But the reality at the time is that the Jewish people were targeted and they were exterminated. Think about exterminated These are human beings with families, loved ones, and they were targeted specifically for destruction. Now, this has happened to the Jewish people over and over and over again uh, throughout history. But we breathe the same air that the Nazis breathed. They They were not that long ago in our history. 1945 is less than 100 years ago. And that's when that war was raging. And we were comfortable after that war. We, we, had, we had won. We had vanquished the evil. And, oh, and remember the term? Never again. Well, this is a history. And I talked about this in a previous program. Those who do not remember history are condemned to repeat it. And this is what this means. We thought that was it. The war to be all wars. Oh, that was it. No, war, no that's, we're never going to do that again. And here we sit on the precipice of another major conflict. We have the Chinese, we have the Russians who are expanding all over the globe, trying to take over, waiting for their opportunity to move militarily. They are making strategic uh, partnerships with a lot of these um, jihadist movements. They're selling them weapons. North Korea, which is a, uh, again, a, a a country that is, uh, would have to put them on the evil side of the ledger. Uh, they, they destroy their own people. They control. They, they're trying to shoot missiles. They, they're, they're negative. They're a negative. 
trying to find polite ways to say these things. You know, in World War II, we had the axis of evil and uh, the groups that were doing uh, the evil, evil attacks of war, atrocities, right? Well, we have that again. It's right in front of our face and it's been building. And the whole key here, the key to all of this, and I hope everyone can see this now, is what weakness leads to. Weakness has led to this. Like him or not, Donald Trump was a strong president. People around the world, these uh, negative, evil regimes around the world, whether they liked him, thought him a buffoon, thought whatever they thought about him, the orange man, whatever they thought about this guy, they knew he would not hesitate to use the appropriate power of the United States to protect the country, to protect our interests, to protect our uh, allies. There was no question about it. Putin would not have moved on Ukraine if Trump was still the president. China would not be making the moves that it's making if Trump were still the president. Not because he says bad things on, on mean things on tweets and this and that, but because he had strength to understand the reality of how people behave. So this brings us to my point today. All right, And, I, and I'm, I'm not sure if I articulated that last part very well, and I apologize if I didn't. I'm trying to give you the idea, though, is that we were not, we're not prepared for this as Americans. We are isolated from that kind of thing. 9-11, when 9-11 happened, that was a wake-up call to us, wasn't it? Wasn't 9-11 a wake-up call to us when we had these bloodthirsty terrorists attack the World Trade Center, the Pentagon, uh, and other airplanes, and we have our heroes who went down in, uh, in Pennsylvania trying to fight back? Didn't that shock us that people would do such things to innocent people? We have to stop being shocked. We have to stop being shocked and surprised. We have to stop being weak. Now, it's easy for me to sit here and say, we should do this and we should do that. And that's where we have to control our emotions. We can't go blindly bombing people because what that's going to do right now you know, they talk about lighting the match. Well, the match is, is lit and the fire is already burning. It's burning in one area. And we are trying desperately to figure out how we're going to control this from getting out of control. Well, at the same time, we had better be realizing that if we don't, that they, the other side, the side that's starting these attacks, that's preparing the axis of evil, the modern axis of evil, the jihadist groups, the Chinese, the Russians, the North Koreans, they all get what's happening. We don't. We're shocked again. We're surprised. Well, we thought this was just an attack on Israel, and now it's, you know, now they're, they're shooting at American ships from different parts of the world now over there. They're not just shooting rockets into Israel. They're now shooting at American bases. They're shooting at American ships. My friends, Americans died in that terror attack on October 7th in Israel. Americans were murdered and slaughtered. And Americans are being held hostage right now. And we're just going about our business. Oh, it's football Sunday. Halloween's coming. Let's get ready for the holidays. 
Where is the outrage? Those are acts of war. Hamas is a government entity. It runs the Gaza Strip. They were elected. They are a government entity. And they have killed and taken Americans hostage. This is not just Israel's problem. This is America's problem. They have declared war. When in Iran and they march around singing and and chanting what they want to do, they say death to Israel and death to America. They've been doing it since the 70s. And we sit back and say, ah, you know, they're just, you know, crazy, blowing off steam. They've slowly but surely been attacking us. And we fought back. We had a fight back against ISIS, didn't we? We we hemmed and hawed around with President Obama doing this, doing that. And when Trump, you know, the orange man, the buffoon, when he got in there, what did he say? Generals, do what you do best. Wipe them out. And he did. He took them down. Now, he didn't wipe them out completely, but he took them down so they were um, operationally uh, unable to attack us anymore. This is where emotions can get the best of us. This is where we need to think clearly about what we're about to do, and that's when we have to ask some questions. As Americans, we do not like the idea of going to war. I don't. War is horrible. War is painful. War is destructive. War is life-changing. War is agonizing. War causes the loss of, of lives. It causes pain that echoes into the future. People will lose their lives. No matter how this comes out, people have already lost their lives, and it's probably only going to get worse. But as Americans... We're always ready to, you know, hey, listen, talk our way out of this. Stop. What is it we can do to make this better? We're always worrying about the wrong thing. You know, it's we are no longer simply mitigating an argument between two groups of people. Those days are gone now. They are murdering people, bombing people. They're attacking America. There are Americans right now, as you listen to my voice, Women, children, and men being brutalized in tunnels in Gaza by these bloodthirsty Hamas terrorists. Now, as Americans, we want to define very clearly, I even did it myself. Let's split up the terrorists from the people, and the people are just good people, and we we have to make sure we protect the good people who don't want to go along with Hamas. And I think there are people there that don't want to go along with this. I think there are people who live in the Gaza and the uh, and the West Bank who don't want to go along with this. But I think their numbers are small. I think their numbers are small. When they came back to the Gaza Strip with men, women, and children that were kidnapped from their homes after they murdered and raped and, and beheaded their family members, when they dragged these people away, crying and screaming, children, two, three, four, five years old, and dragged them into the streets of Gaza. The people were out there cheering. It wasn't just Hamas government. It was the people cheering that they struck a blow on Israel and America. So one of the things I wanted to define is what is a combatant? What is a combatant? Is a combatant simply a military person? 
or is a combatant someone who aids and abets the military or the fighting wing? Is that what it is? Think again, think about our American Revolution. When we had an American army, the Revolutionary Army, and they were fighting the British, you had two militaries fighting each other. When the Minutemen and the people in the fields got together and committed um, operations against the British, were they not combatants and citizens? Did that make them legitimate targets for the British Army? Well, I think once you get yourself involved, even as a civilian, and you do things, you support, you help the fighting groups, you are now a combatant. So Israel did the right thing. Have you ever seen a war before where the whole world stands up and says to someone who's been victimized the way Israel has, you better make sure you don't do the wrong thing. You better make sure you provide food and water for those people. You better make sure you don't go after them and hurt people. You better... Does anybody say that to anybody else? Did they say that to us when we went to uh, Afghanistan and Iraq? Now, of course, as decent Western countries, we always consider innocent civilians. The other powers of the world do not. Do the Russians worry about who's in the uh, apartment buildings that they shell in Ukraine? Do the Chinese care who they round up and put in their, uh, their concentration camps? No. They don't care about that. Do these terrorists care when they break into a home where a mother, father, and children are cowering in a closet out of fear and they rape the mother and the little girls and then they murder the father and the children and then burn them all? Do they, they worry about civilians? No. So understanding who's a combatant and who's not is important. Now, as we go through the program today, these are the kind of thoughts that we need to start having. Because this is what I, you, you see this happening, right? Have you heard the news? Are you paying attention? They are now committing acts of war against the United States, taking our hostages. The government of Hamas has taken American hostages, has killed and raped American citizens. That's an act of war. And what are we doing? What's our government doing? What are we doing? As people, are we outraged that there's Americans right now? Oh, they're in a tunnel getting raped. Oh, they're, they're beating little children. They're murdering these people, American citizens. And we're worried about Halloween decorations and parties. And it's, wow, it's on the news. Wow, that's on the news. It's bad. This is horrific that's happening. And it's only going to get more intense and more violent. And we had better not be shocked this time. We had better be awake. We better project some strength here. Because we're going to need strength of faith, strength of military, and strength as a people. We'll be back. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix Rx. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix Rx is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. 
with known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. This is Jody O'Malley with Nurses Out Loud. Did you know our body is made up of trillions of cells and inside each cell, redox signaling molecules are produced? These molecules hold a sacred place in chemistry because as we age, the vital communication of our immune system to keep our bodies free from harmful bacteria, viruses, and toxins become less efficient. For the first time ever, ASEA brings you the power of these molecules in a convenient and potent form to provide your body with the essential support it needs to thrive. Ever since I toured their facility, I take two ounces in the morning and evening, and my vitality and energy has been restored at a time I needed it the most. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get your exclusive 15% discount by using the code out loud. Trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, and sleep deep. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. Healthy Cell com code out loud we are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought America out news delivering a message of truth inspiration and hope to the world here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. Join us in the fight for liberty and justice for all. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Hi, welcome back, everybody. I think I controlled my emotions pretty well uh, because I am fired up. I am, I am thinking about those people in the tunnels in Gaza. You know, the reports are coming out really slow. We haven't seen a lot of the videos of what the... Because the, the Hamas terrorists, when they attacked Israel, they used GoPro cameras on their helmets. They used cell phones uh, as they committed their atrocities, as they laughed, as they raped and killed and burned people. But we're not seeing those videos. Because, you know, because we're decent. We're decent people. We're not going to show that. We're not going to show... We're going to talk about it, which allows the people who are on the other side to, to lie and say, that never happened. It's not true because they know we do the right thing. We're not going to show those terrible things. What do you see? What do you hear on the news reports? Well, I've, uh, I've been there and I've made... I've witnessed and I've seen things that have happened, but I can't even tell you about them on the news. They are so horrific. Well, if you don't tell us what they are, you just say they're so horrific, we just kind of blow it off. Well, it was bad. You know, they killed some people. But then you see the photographs, even the ones that we have been able to see, of a child's bedroom in one of the uh, apartments in Israel that were attacked. And there is blood 
all over the sheets and all over the walls. What do you think caused that in a child's bedroom? Think the kid had a little cut on finger, something like that? No, they were blasted with high-powered military weaponry. Right? And I don't want to get graphic here because, you know, oh, we've got, we got to worry about everybody's senses. Do you know what a rifle bullet does at close range to people? I've seen it. I've investigated people when they kill themselves or when they get murdered and people are using those kind of weapons. I've been on those scenes. I've seen the blood. I've smelled the death. It is something you can't imagine unless you've seen it and done it. Well, I got to tell you, we haven't seen those pictures, so we don't really feel it. The fact that there's no outrage here in America, I, I'm, I, again, I, I don't even know what to say. Why is there no out? Why are we not demanding our government do something? Shouldn't we do something? We are now at war. They're attacking and killing Americans, holding them hostage. What are we do? Start another countdown. Let's get some popcorn and some soda. Let's see how many days they can keep them. Well, when these news reports are coming out. Slowly and surely, I think Israel knows they have to, they understand this is life and death. This is not, uh, you know, a newscast uh, that they're watching. They're living this. They were saying that some of these women and young girls were raped so brutally that they, their, their hip bones were broken. Think about that. This is somebody's daughter, somebody's mother, grandmother's. And we sit here and do nothing. We say nothing. I, I, this is why we have these, um, these shocks when these things happen. Here you have this evidence right in front of our face. And, and, and what is our government doing? Now, this is where emotion, emotional control comes in. I understand. I get it. Because maybe there's a lot going on. Right? Lieutenant Joe, I am not uh, in the government. I am not in the military. I am not there making the plans. Maybe they need the time to uh, use satellites that I'm sure they can put right over the top of the Gaza and they can see a license plate, right? Haven't we always heard that? And they're watching for movement, troop movement. Where are the buildups? Where are they putting things? Where are they laying IEDs? Whatever it is that they're doing. Maybe they need the time to watch that. Maybe they have ability to listen. Maybe they have informants that are giving them information and they're planning the right moment to go and try and get the hostages or to take out the people who are holding them. I get all of that. I've, I have done strategic planning for raids, for drug raids, for arrests when there was a bad person who killed somebody and you had to go arrest them. You have to make a plan. Your timing has to be right. You need information. You need surveillance. You need to understand what you have to prepare for. I get all that. I get all that. And maybe that's what's going on. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because what other choice do we have? I mean, we can look and say that um, President Biden has been wrong on all his policy. But this time he's going to get it right. Well, I gave him credit the other day when he came out with his, his uh, statement that he stood by um, Israel completely, 100%. And we would give them whatever they need and support them and whatever we need to do to support them in this, in this time of need. I thought that was great. Unfortunately, now we're hearing that in the background, our president is telling them, slow down. Don't go so fast. Take it easy. 
Um, don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. Don't overdo it. What the hell does that mean? Now, we are going to move into this next phase. And like I said, I'm, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, where is the messaging to the rest of the world? You got the Iranians who are running this whole thing. They have been out to get us and Israel since the 1970s. And we have done piecemeal. They've taken our people hostage. They've done uh, other things. They've threatened shipping and this and that. Ronald Reagan came out and sank a bunch of their boats and said, hey, there's your Navy laying at the bottom of the uh, Straits of Hormuz there. You want to keep this up? And this is what will happen. Where is the messaging? Where is the strong, powerful messaging of a president of the United States to stand there and say, Iran, stand down now. One American hostage gets injured any further. One more rocket is fired at an American base. One more thing happens here, negative to our country. And you will pay the price. Now, he's, President Biden has said, and we will hold them to account. How are you holding them to account? Well, how are you holding Iran to account? By saying, we're going to hold you to account. We're going to hold you to account. Account means their Navy at the bottom of the water, at the bottom of the sea. That's what holding account means. That means blowing up their oil fields, crushing them, dropping bombs, cruise missiles, or whatever we got on their, on their governmental facilities. That's what holding them to account means. Now, would that be rash? Would that be preemptive? What do you think these people would do if they had a nuclear weapon? Do you think they would hold back? Do you think they would not lob a nuclear weapon into Tel Aviv? Do you not see that now very clearly? That you can't talk to these people? You know, for years and years and years, we have pushed to talk to Hamas. Uh, Israel, you better, you better negotiate with Hamas. You better work things out. And how do you work things out with people who are not interested in working things out? Because if you wanted to work this out, like many people have said, uh, Gaza and the West Bank could be the most idyllic, beautiful places in the world for all the billions and billions and billions of dollars that the world has funneled in there. The world would go, would bend over backwards to help them to make it an unbelievably wonderful place to live. But they've taken all that money and they've converted all of those supplies into tunnels and weapons and attacks. Not on making the lives of their people better. You cannot talk to these people. So what is it then we have to consider? Well, we were, we were defining things, right? So we defined a combatant. Is a combatant anyone who gives aid and comfort to the uh, terrorists? I think they are. Uh, are there people there who maybe give lip service to that? Because if they don't, they'll be killed by their own government. Yeah, I think there's probably some of that. I think we have to admit there probably are innocent people living there in the Gaza and the West Bank who really don't want to be a part of this, who just want to live their lives. But I don't know how many there are. I think it's a small number. 
you know, we look at the, the education that they receive. We see the books that they, they teach, the, the teaching of the children. We ignore it. It's like, ah, so it's a big deal that they talk about, you know, killing every Israeli and that, you know, Israel shouldn't be a country and their maps don't show Israel. No big deal. Well, all those no big deals that we've said all these years are now coming to fruition. These are beliefs of generations of people who are bent on the destruction of Israel the total control of the Middle East without any American or any Western government in there, and they're willing to do bad things to make it happen. So, combatants. So what do you do about combatants? You demand Israel, make sure they keep everyone safe, because God forbid one person is caught up in it. They're completely innocent over there. Even though they're out in the, in the streets cheering little five-year-olds who were kidnapped from their murdered parents, that they're raping children, those little rape victims. Oh, well, you know, they're cheering in the streets for that. They're not standing up and saying, what are we doing? This is wrong, right? So we have to define who's a combatant and who's not. We have to understand who do we feel bad for when you've done everything you possibly can to protect them from inevitably what I believe has got to happen. You have got that you, you can't talk to these groups. See, that's our stupid Western American thinking that, you know, we can convince them, we can give them enough money so that they can have a better life. We've given them billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars. They have not used it to make their lives better. They've used it to make weapons and tunnels to attack Israel. That's what they've done with it. Now, if it's uh, just the Hamas and it's not the regular people, well, they've been told to go south, get out of the way. Well, that's not fair. They have to leave their homes. Well, unfortunately, that is what their government, their uh, people, their terrorist people have brought upon them. I do feel terrible for the innocent people there who don't want any part of this. I have compassion for them and I hope they fare well in what's about to happen. I hope they are not destroyed. I hope they are not killed in the action. That's got to happen. Because how long should a people have to be putting up with rockets firing into their communities? Civilian communities, mind you. You know, we're all worried about civilians. But how about these people lobbing thousands of rockets into Israeli neighborhoods? You heard my friend the other day, Dotan, live from Tel Aviv. If you didn't hear that, go back on the podcast and look it up, called On the Ground in Tel Aviv. He's living there. And he's talking about rockets constantly flying in. Where? To the military bases of Israel? No, into the neighborhoods where people get killed. Innocent civilians get killed. And no, nobody says a word about that. Nobody cares about that. He mentioned that, you know, this whole thing about the hospital. Oh, the hospital. The Israelis blew up a hospital. No, they didn't. There's no evidence of that whatsoever. Matter of fact, there's contravening evidence that says it was a misfired rocket by another jihadist group who, uh, you know, didn't launch a good rocket and it hit the hospital. It didn't level the hospital. They immediately came out. 500 people are dead, women and children and doctors. And the hospital wasn't hit. It was in the parking lot. Right? But the whole Western media went with it because they want Israel to be bad and wrong as hard as they can possibly do. Showing anti-Semitism pretty strongly. 
showing anti-Semitism pretty strongly. We used to recoil at that idea. Remember? Never again! We used to recoil at the idea of anti-Semitism. Now, we have members of our own Congress who are anti-Semitic openly, and nobody says anything to them. When they're called out, you're called a hater. You're called a racist for pointing that out. Do you see how we are so far off base with everything that, of course, there is no other way for this to go? We have lost our moral compass completely in America. We have completely lost our moral compass, as has most of the rest of the world. When I was speaking with Dotan and I said, I imagine that one of the reasons that this is all happening is the removal of God and religion from our lives. You know, if you believe those fairy tales, you know, you're not that smart. There is no God. Okay, some people can believe that. Take God out of it, is what I said. Let's just look at the concept of good and evil, light and dark, right and wrong. Let's just look at those concepts. God's out of it. Gone. Just what all you want. You want God out. God's gone. There is no God. There's just people. Does that mean everything that people do is right? Or is there right and wrong? Is there basic understanding of what is right and wrong? Is rape okay? Yeah, all you liberal groups out there sitting in your basement in your underwear taking notes? You know, the, 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 the Me Too crowd? Who are so against all this sexual assault? Where's your outrage that women, children, and elderly women are being brutalized and raped? Where's your outrage there? I don't hear it. I don't see it. I see exactly the opposite. I see people cheering for that behavior. Cheering that that's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Take God out of it. Is that right or wrong to rape children, women, and elderly women to the point of breaking their hips, busting their bones? Mm -hmm. is, that, is that right or wrong? I go on the side of that's wrong. I go on the side of that's dark. I go on the side of that's evil. So write that down in big letters in your basement there, evil. The activities of what Hamas is doing is evil. And we in America had better open our eyes. Open our eyes and pay attention. Because we were attacked here. Remember 9-11? Evil came to our shores. Well, do you think they're here now? Do you think they're here in our country now? Uh, do you think uh, some terrorists might have snuck in with all the really good people who just want to come to America and work hard? Coming across the border, do you think maybe some bad people came in too? Right? How many times have we said, I understand most of the people that are coming want a better life. I can't blame them. They want to take care of their family. But don't you think that when you announce to the whole world that you can come on in and there's people from countries all over the world coming through that southern border, which means they have to go to a, a Central or American or Mexican uh, country to get in line to come up to come across the southern border. Why? Because they can walk right in. They get sent to the cities they want to go. They get money. They get housing. They get shelter. They get everything. You don't think there's some bad people maybe in there that want to do bad things? They've caught Iranians coming across. Iranian targets of concern. Why do you think they're coming? 
See, now I am getting emotional and I have to control myself. So we've defined combatants. Now we have to define what is an appropriate response. What is an appropriate response? We can't just go run around screaming and hollering, bomb and bomb and bomb them. Who are we going to bomb? Because, like I said, the, the, the match is already lit. The fire is already burning. If we were to just right now hold Iran accountable, as our president said, we're going to hold you to account. If we hold them to account and say, well, you have got one hour to get on the air and announce to all of these groups that you pay for, that are your groups, cease and desist. Put your weapons down now and surrender. You have one hour to do that. And if not, you will not have an oil industry. You will not have a Navy. You will not have an Air Force. And most of your government buildings will be gone. That'd be a pretty powerful statement to make, wouldn't it? I think it would. Now, is that, is that something we should do? Or should we back off and hold off? And wait. And wait to see what happens. And again, I told you, I give them credit. I don't know what they're waiting for. I don't know why President Biden is telling the Israelis to slow down, back up, slow down, take it easy. Did anybody tell us to take it easy, slow down, and back up when we went after uh, after uh, ISIS uh, and uh, bin Laden? Did, did they tell us uh, to slow down, back up, take it easy? No, then why are we telling the Israelis that? In their homeland that has been so besieged for so many years. Why would we do that? Why would we not step up and say, hey, we are with you 100%. Iran, call them off now. Does anybody think for two minutes that Putin would not do such a thing and then he would take out their navy to show them strength? Do we think the Chinese would not do that? We know they would because they're of strength. Now, they're evil, but they're strong and they would do what they have to do. We're dancing around it, and we have a president who is not up to the job. Now, I'm going to stand by him for now because he is the president, and we have to count on him. And I'm praying that he makes the right decisions. I am praying that he does the right. I'm hoping that he's a hero in this whole thing. I'm hoping that Joe Biden becomes a hero in this whole thing because he does the right thing. He guides our forces as the commander-in-chief in the right direction, that he makes the right decisions for America and for the world. Once again, America is going to decide for the world how this is going to go. And we don't do that through weakness. right? We didn't hear uh, General Eisenhower telling the Nazis, listen, um, we have to put together supplies so that the, you know, the people, the refugees can eat. No, we said we're going to destroy you. And then we went and did it. So we've defined combatants. Now we have to define what is an appropriate response? For me personally, I think messaging is extremely important. Tell people what you want them to know. Donald Trump made it very clear to people. Ronald Reagan made it very clear to people. George Bush made it very clear to people what was going to happen. And then they followed up. President Biden is... is, is telling the victims to slow down, telling the victims to take it easy. He's still talking to these governments, to the Iranians, who must see him as a blithering fool, as most of the world obviously does, because he's just, he's not up for the job. No matter how much I want to support him, he's not up for the job. And that is a problem for us, because he, pro he projects weakness. 
he projects weakness. Now, he's done the right thing. Let's give him credit. He's done the right thing. He has sent um, military forces to the Gulf or to the Mediterranean. Lots and lots of American power is over there. That's good. When's he going to do something with it? We're going to let our American citizens in those tunnels continue to be raped and brutalized and probably murdered once this campaign starts? Are we going to continue to do that? Are we going to use that power to send a message to let our enemies know this is not the thing to do? This will be so costly to you. Isn't that the messaging we want to send? And you don't have to sink anybody's navy. You get on TV and you surround yourself with the Congress, with the American government, with the military. You stand there and say, this is it. Stop now. I want to see. I'm not just going to say, I hold you accountable. That's nothing. You say, I want to see the rockets stop now. By the end of this speech, not another rocket. Because if it does, I'm holding you accountable. And that means you're not going to have a Navy in the morning. And then I would send our fighters over there and sink their Navy. Then I would say, okay, not another rocket or you will not have an oil facility. Do you understand that? You will not have an oil facility. Not another, one more rocket goes off and I would wipe out their oil facility. I would take it off the grid. It's gone. And then I would tell them, if you don't tell them to surrender, you will not have government buildings tomorrow. And that means starting a war. Well, you know what? The war has already started, my friends. They have taken Americans hostage. They have killed Americans brutally. They are firing at our military ships. They have started a war. How do we respond? That has to be defined. Do we, do we respond with strength? Because if you say something, you better do it. If you put a red line out there or you make a line in the sand and they step over it, you better be willing to provide the consequences for that. Otherwise, it's just a joke. Demanding that the Israelis make sure they don't hurt anybody and make sure they have a, they set up a, a way for, the, for these people to get out and make sure they have food and medicine and everything they need. They are, they, they are part of a country that has attacked Israel. But the world is demanding Israel do the right thing. Where are all these other countries? Where's Jordan? who said, no, no, none of those people can come in our country. Where is Egypt, who said, absolutely not. Nope, not one person will cross that border. We're not taking any of them here. Why is that? Why is it Israel's responsibility, who's been attacked, to take care of those people? Why isn't the people in the surrounding countries' job? But we're going to hold Israel to account, aren't we? We're going to hold them to account. They're going to be held to account. The whole world's going to turn on them when a civilian is killed. And inevitably, civilians on all sides are going to die in this conflict. Americans are going to die in this conflict. Right? So we've, we're defining things. Let's continue to define what is our response. Weak response or strong response. There's consequences with either one. And one more thing to define as we go forward here. What do we look at for the future? We as an American people are we finally going to understand the difference between weakness and strength? I don't mean being military, military, militaristic, 
you know, dictators around the world. I don't mean that. I mean the world needs to know that the American people, the American leadership, will not put up with this kind of behavior. That there is a consequence for causing these problems. The days of talk, I think, have to be over, especially in this particular incident. You know, you should always talk first. You should always talk. You try and figure it out. Try and work out differences before any kind of violence takes place. That's the first thing you should do. But you have to evaluate and say, is there really a partner on the other side of the table? Is there really somebody there that is willing to work out this problem? Or are they saying, like Hamas and most of the jihadists over there, they're not interested in talking. They'll kill their own people. They could care less. They take all the stuff that we're sending over there to feed everybody. They're going to steal it and use it to resupply their troops for the fight. They're not going to take care of their people. They don't want a two-state solution. They want a one-state solution. Get rid of Israel and they take over. That's the solution. They're not willing to talk about anything else. And if we are stupid enough to continue to not understand who our enemy is and what they are willing to do, then we are never ever going to be able to solve this problem. We cannot allow rogue demons to do evil across the face of the earth, killing innocent people. We have to have a civilized society. We have to be civilized people. We have to be able to deal with each other in a manner that respects each other. And if the other side refuses to do that, then we have to decide, do we take it or do we not take it? Not taking it might mean we have to do some very, very difficult things to provide peace for the future. So my friends, we went through a lot of thoughts here. I tried to remain unemotional, but I can't help thinking about those people in the tunnels. You know, your American brothers and sisters, the service personnel on those ships that are being shot at when one of them hits the deck of one of those things and kills some service personnel. How are we going to feel then? Weakness is not an option at this point in our history. We have to be strong. I pray that President Biden does the right thing and that the world comes to its senses. But be prepared. And you remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem.